Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. And I want to ask a question as we start today. I want you to think about this this morning. What is the first thing that goes on in your mind when you wake up in the morning? When you wake up in the morning, what is the first thing that goes through your mind? Coffee. Coffee. Yeah, that is the resounding one. Who else? Just shout them out. First thing that goes through your head. Not getting up. Yeah, man, that's snooze, snooze, man's best friend. They were wrong. Dog isn't. Snooze button is. (laughs) Kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, my goodness, dog people. Uh, What else? What else goes through your mind? Schedule for the day. Absolutely, Mike. You start rolling over. Okay, here's what I got today. Here's all the things that are going to happen. Yes, anything else? Food. Absolutely. What is for breakfast? Yes. What am I going to eat today? Anything else? Any other profound thoughts? What? Being thankful. Mary, you're so amazing. I like that. Being thankful, being thankful for everything God's done. Um, that's good. Okay, end of message right there. That's good. Mary did it. It was just be thankful when you wake up in the morning. <laughs> and that really adjusts things quite a bit. I love that. I love that. Okay, now I want you to think about this question. What do you think Jesus thought about when he woke up in the morning? Who can I save? Yeah. Hey, I want you to think about this. Jesus, when he woke up in the morning, remember, he was fully man and fully God. I think that what went through Jesus' mind when he woke up was a lot of the same stuff that goes through our minds. Okay, where, when, where are we going to eat today? The disciples need food because they're always complaining about food. I can't get it through their heads. They don't need this food. What are we going to eat? Where are we going to go? We have to travel from this place to another, right? We have to go from this town to the next town. What are we going to do, right? A lot of his thoughts were probably filled very similarly to ours. I don't know if he liked using the snooze button. I get the idea that he really liked his early mornings just by what the scripture says. But he was always thinking. I think he thought a lot about life the way we did with one little difference, his thoughts were not on the task or the thing, but whether, but instead the person that he was going to interact with in the process of it. I think what you said is absolutely right. Who can I save today? I want, I want you. Oh, that was great. There was somebody there. I didn't. So Jesus would ask these questions. You know, the first question that always entered into Jesus' head was, what's Peter going to say today? Because that was Every, what, what thing am I going to have to correct that Peter's going to say? I mean, let's just be honest. That was like the first thing that always went through his head. What are we going to eat, right? But instead of what are we going to eat, it's who are we going to eat with and where are we going to take our meals? If you notice this in the Bible, that Jesus was very, very specific about who he spent meals with. You think about the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, come down because I want, I need to spend Dinner, I need to eat in your house today. 
See, Jesus recognized that, yeah, food is important, but even more so important is the person in which I'm going to be ministering with and showing my love to in the process of it. We need to go to the market today to get food, but who am I going to have an interaction with today that I may be going to heal, that there's going to be a demon cast out, that there's going to be something that pulls them closer to the kingdom of God? We have to travel today. We have to get from this place to there. But how are we going to to get there? What's the the path? What's the trajectory that we're going to take to get from point A to point B? Because all along the way, there are people that God has in store for me to be able to impact in their life. So you see, Jesus woke up thinking a lot of the same things that we did. He had very natural thoughts, but he had a heavenly perspective to the thoughts. And, and, and today, I want to challenge us as we kind of get ready to step into this next part of our series here, is to really ask the Holy Spirit to help us as we wake up in the morning to have a kingdom perspective to the course of our day. You know, I, I you know, what went through Jesus' mind? Did he have, he had souls on his mind. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. But it was in the process and in the course of everything that he was going to do that day in life. I think that so many times we as Christians, and I do this myself, right? So many times we compartmentalize. We've got the, the, great, com- the great commission, right? Go and, and preach the good news to, to all the parts of the world. And we have that. And then we have the rest of life. Right, today I have to do this, I have to run these errands, I have to go to these places, I have to parent, like all of this, and then maybe if there's time, I'll just squeeze in everything else that needs to take place. And Jesus challenges us to say, listen, it's not one or the other, it's both and, and they're intertwined in how you live your life. There's a passage which, which talks about this even more. In Matthew 10, Jesus was getting ready to send the 12 out two by two to do miracles. It was kind of the first test run, right? Okay, let's see how these guys do. I'm gonna send them out. I'm giving them authority. I'm giving them power. They're gonna go out and I want them to see how they can handle the mission. And so he gets ready to send them out. And in Matthew 10, verse seven, he says this, but listen, listen to the phrasing. He says, and as you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven has come near. Notice that Jesus says, as you go. He doesn't say, when you get there, find a soapbox, stand up, and start preaching your heart out. No, as you go. See, Jesus understood completely that for us to be able to live the kind of life that he wants, and for us to be the light, and to, to live on mission the way that he wants, it doesn't mean finding out how to do this completely different thing. It, what it means is how to integrate this into every part of our life. As you go, be aware of the people who I'm going to bring across your path. As you go, I want you to be ready with the words of life to speak into somebody who needs encouragement in their life as you go. And so he challenged his disciples to do the same thing. Now, now here is the secret ingredient to how Jesus did this, okay? Okay. Jesus, in Mark 1.35, we see that the beginning of every day for him was that he would get up early and he would go out and he would pray, right? This, this, isn't, this isn't a new thing. This is just, this is what he would do. He would get up early before the sun rose, it says, and he would go out and he would pray. Now, why? Well, because he was not only modeling, but he recognized 
that it was so important to begin the day, if he was going to have any hope of going and expressing the kingdom to somebody and loving someone where they're at, that he needed first to get in contact with the Father and get his marching orders from the Father and what the Father was going to say to him that day. Okay? And he understood that in order for him to be ready for whatever that day was going to bring, he had to begin in silence alone with his father with a listening ear to what he was going to say. And this, again, this is something that is a real challenge for us, I think, in our world, because we wake up and we're off, right? We go, we're we're running. We make our coffee. Yes, we have our little Jesus time, you know, our 10 minutes, and we read the daily verse on the Bible app, and then we're off. And there's nothing wrong with that, except for, do we really, as Christians, do we take the opportunity to say, God, what do you want to do in my life today? I surrender my agenda. I surrender everything I want to do, everything that I want to say, everything to be used by you. Now, this is not rocket science. Everything I I think of that I've set up to this point, you would go, yeah, I agree. I get it. And yes, that that is correct, right? But here's something interesting that I want us to, I want us to understand, and Jesus understood this too, is that all of us have a life mission, Okay? The life mission is summed up in this, to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Here at River Valley, we, we say it this way, to love God and love people with all that we are and all that we have. Okay? This mission is what drove Jesus and everything he did. Meaning this, when he woke up in the morning, he didn't have to go and ask the Father, God, um, what, what, what do you want for today? I want you to Love me and serve me and and love people so that they can come close to me. Whoa, that's crazy. (sighs) Didn't know that. That's a new one. No, that that wasn't the fact, right? He knew that going into it. But what God was very clear is to communicate exactly the specifics of what that day was going to look like and the details of who he was going to connect with, okay? Now, here's, here's the the key that I want you to get away with, and then, and then we're going to go into the next part of this morning. The times that Jesus spent with God in the morning are what allowed him to be able to carry with him into every circumstance the words of life. Because we have to make a decision in the morning that before we do anything, we want to be filled with the word of God and empowered by the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. And, and here's why. Let me, let me paint a little bit of an illustration for you. We've all done this, and I've done this, and sadly, I know what this feels like. We've all gone through the course of our day, and we've had somebody who has come to us and expressed something heartbreaking that has happened in their life. They lost a job. They lost a loved one. There there was something that fell apart in their world and they're standing right in front of you. And you know this, I've experienced this too, that if we're not full of the words of life and the power of the Holy Spirit, we have nothing to say. It's only when we are empowered by the Holy Spirit and carry with us the words of life that we're able to bring encouragement. Does that mean you need to preach a sermon to that person? Absolutely not but the Holy Spirit will give you the right word in the right moment to encourage and bring the words of life into somebody else, right? 
And so for us, we need to understand that that time with the Lord, that time that we, stand, that we begin, Jesus, Jesus began his day as, with the Lord, as we do that and as we get away with him, we get this idea that, okay, today, God, I need your words of life. I recognize that I don't have what it takes in and of myself. I don't have what it takes to be a good husband, to be a good dad, to be a good employee. I don't have what it takes to even be a good Christian without your Holy Spirit empowering me and without your words of life inside of me. And it's that idea that we approach our days with so that then the Holy Spirit could come and just move through us to do something mighty in our lives. And that's the desire. That's what we want to go for. And that's what Jesus was able to tap into and he gave us a really, really clear example of this, okay? Now, because he did that, and because he was focused that way, and because he began his days that way, and because he was, he was all centered around what God wanted to do in the ordinary pieces of life, some amazing things that were able to happen. And you could read all about these incredible encounters that Jesus had. I'm gonna go through one of them today. And I just wanna pull out some, some, some thoughts by way of illustration of what happens when somebody decides that today I wanna be empowered by the Holy Spirit and God, I want to actually go about the person that you put in front, the situations that you're gonna put in front so that as I go and as I do these things and whatever it is, that there can be impact in a person's life. Okay, I want you to, and I'm gonna use Jesus as an illustration because Jesus is the perfect illustration, so it just works really, really good this way. One of these illustrations here, one of these stories about how Jesus lived is, one day he, he woke up and he was, he was in a place called Judea and he had to get to a place called Galilee because he had stirred up some trouble and people were mad at him. Par for the course, another ordinary day, right? And he recognized that he had to go to a different place. But in the morning, just like any other morning, he would get away with his father and he would say, okay, dad, today I gotta go from here to there. But I don't wanna just wanna go from here to there. I want today to be a time when I interact and I engage with a person that needs you. So in the course of my day, I ask you to direct my attention, direct my focus, give me a clarity of thought so that I understand completely who you're bringing in front of me that I can be able to love. He began his day like any other day. And this particular day, this is where he had to travel. And John 4 is where we pick this up. And I'm gonna read a good chunk of scripture here this morning and then I'm gonna pull some points out. So don't be overwhelmed at the massive amounts of text on the screen. It's totally fine. It's the Bible, so it's all good. Verse three starts this. He left Judea and went away again to Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. I love this phrase. He had to pass through Samaria. No, he didn't. No, no he didn't. He really didn't. He really didn't. To give you a little bit of context in history, the Samaritans, if you're, if you're familiar with this in, in your Bible, the Samaritans were hated by the Jews, okay? And, and because of that, they would actually go the long way around Samaria, completely avoiding the straightest route so that they wouldn't have to interact with the Samaritans, right? They'd have to cross a river, go upstream, cross back, and then get into the land beyond Samaria, Right? Now, this was because Samaritans, just to give you a little bit more history, uh, when, the, uh, when the, the Israelites were invaded by the Assyrians, what happened was the Assyrians came and they took everybody of value. 
They, 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 in the conquest, they exiled everybody of value. And what they did is, this is really sad, they left everybody that was poor, they left everybody that was old, and they left everybody that they didn't deem a threat. Can you imagine being in that group of people? Hey, we're not going to take you to Assyria because we're not scared of you. Oh, oh. And these were the people, the Israelites, that were left behind. And not only that, but the Assyrians then said, hey, we're going to import some of our people to go live with them and marry them because they need help. (laughs) So you had these Israelites that lived in the land that were left behind from conquest. Assyria didn't even deem it necessary to bring them into Assyria. The Assyrians didn't. And they were left behind. And then not only that, is the Assyrians came and intermarried. So what you ended up with is you ended up with a bunch of very, very depressed Israelites who knew a lot of the traditions, had lived according to the law. They were the same as any other Jew, and they, they followed the ways of Judaism. But now what had happened is all of these other superstitions and, and idolatries and everything that Assyria had were brought into their world. And now they had a mixture of both of those, which is why the pure-blooded Jews would look at them and go, they're half-breed. And they looked at them as completely worthless because they were a mix. Jesus is give you a context. Again, Jesus is saying today, I got to go to Galilee and I have to go through Samaria. Why? Samaria did not represent half-breeds, mixed bloods, nobody left behinds to him. They represented people that needed him. And that was his entire filter was today, my father says, I got to go through Samaria because those people need to know my love. And so here he went into Samaria. He came to the city of Samaria called Sychar, near the parcel of land that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, tired from his journey, was just sitting by the well. It was about the sixth hour. And a woman of Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now, this woman, I want you to understand, to add insult to injury, not only was she a Samaritan who had gone through everything else that the Samaritans had, she was also a woman who had had a very, very, she had been very mistreated, very forgotten, very cast out, right? And so she carried not only the shame of her culture, but the shame of her sins with her. Kind of sounds like some of us sometimes, where we carry a lot of shame with us. And this lady came out in all of this, and we know because Scripture says that she came out in the midday because nobody else was there. She thought that she could be alone. And she went out and she met Jesus. And so the Samaritan said in verse 9, How is it that you, though you're a Jew, are asking me for a drink, though I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. And Jesus replied to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, of course, by this point, this this poor lady is going, I have no idea what you're talking about. Like this is what this just let me get my water and let me go. Like like this, this does not make sense. So she says, sir, you don't have a bucket and the well is deep. Where then or did you get this living water? You're no greater than our father Jacob. Notice she says, 
our, my father Jacob, right? Because, again, history and heritage of Judaism, right? Of Israelite. And who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. And Jesus answered to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never be thirsty. But that water that I will give him will actually become in him a fountain of water springing up to eternal life. Now, I don't know about you, but if I had somebody and I didn't know they were Jesus and they started to talking like this, I'd have two frames of thought going through. I'm a real skeptic about what's actually happening. And I'm starting to get really intrigued because I've never heard somebody talk like this before. Right? So she's starting to shift in here. Now, in this interaction, I just want to pull this in because this is going to actually set us up for the next four weeks. The next four weeks, we're going to talk about four different pillars or areas of life that which, uh, as we grow in our relationship with God, these four areas of our life are represented, right? And we call these here at River Valley Church, you might have heard these before, maybe you haven't. We call them the big four, right? The big four is this, to know God, live free, discover purpose, and make a difference, okay? So those are, those are the four. But what I want us to know is as we grow in a relationship with God and as we get a further revelation of him, these four are realized in our lives and they, they come about in some really amazing ways. As we continue to go through the story, I want you to think, and I'm gonna point out here for you, how an encounter with Jesus actually includes all four of those, a knowledge and a relationship with God that leads to freedom from sin, freedom from all guilt and all things of life, the discovery of purpose, and then actually turning around to make a difference with your life, okay? So here we go. So she says, uh, sir, give me that water so that I will not be thirsty. And I have to come all the way to draw water. And he said, go call your husband and come here. She is beginning now to step into a moment where she is going to know God. And the woman answered and said to him, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one that you are now, the one you now have is not even your husband. What you have said is true. And there's a class in Bible college that, uh, that goes through the top most sarcastic verses in the Bible. This is number one. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. There's not really a class, but this is probably top of the list. I perceive you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and yet you Jews say that it's in Jerusalem is the place that we must worship. And Jesus said, believe me, that there is a time coming where you will worship your father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. He's taking her now to school and he's, he's revealing something about who he is. You Samaritans worship what you do not know, but we worship what we do know because salvation is from the Jews. But a time is coming and even now has arrived when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. What's happening in these, this moment as Jesus is saying these words is, is there's the shame and the guilt of the, the, the thoughts towards her and towards her people is now being undone as she starts to get ready to this massive reveal of who the Savior is, right? 
the preconceived ideas about what she thought that were all based on even heritage and past and history, Jesus was getting ready to change in her world so that the first of those things could happen where she could actually know God because of a relationship with him. And the woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. And when that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Two things happen right in this moment. Number one, she had a revelation of Christ. Okay? But it was paired with this. Remember what he had said earlier in verse 18. You're right. You're not married to the person you're with. You've had five husbands. The shame and the guilt that must have been associated with that comment that she felt in that moment must have been unbelievable. Here's somebody that just dug up all my dirty laundry and ran it right in front of me. The shame that she must have been feeling and then now standing here and saying, I'm the Messiah. Two things happened. She had a revelation of who she was. And I want to believe that she also experienced freedom in her life in that moment. Because here was someone that knew everything that she had done, everything that she had been, everything that all labels that anybody else had put on her life, and it was not the label that he put on her. Not one time do you see Jesus ever say, yeah, I know all this stuff about you, and how, that's messed up. How could you ever be so messed up? Like, wow, that's a lot. I don't even know if I can help you with that. We never see any of that. We see Jesus saying, yes, this is the truth, and this is the truth of who I am. And in the comment of saying that, because of how he had approached her, she was beginning to, in a moment, experience freedom that came from a knowledge of Christ in her life. And this led to a change and a transformation that took place in her. It's the same transformation that we experience in our lives. When we come before God with all of our sin and all of our, all of our shame and all of the guilt of the things that we carry, and when we come before him and find out that before him there's no secrets, he knows all of it anyway, and he hasn't left. He's still there saying, and I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior. And I'm here to change your life, and I can change your life. The same thing here, the knowledge of God that brings freedom to life. And at this point, the disciples came, and they were amazed that he was speaking with a woman. Yet no one said, what are you seeking, or why are you speaking to her? Nobody said this, but this is the moment of transformation, the knowledge of God that had begun to bring freedom to her life from baggage that she had carried for years. And now because of this encounter and the Holy Spirit beginning to now work in her life, the woman left her water pot went into the city and said to the people, okay, get, get, get this. This is what an encounter with Jesus does. It causes you to leave the old. She still had to come back for her water pot, so it's just, just go with me. She left the old. She went back into the city and said, knowledge of God and a freedom that comes in our lives because of the knowledge of Christ working in us brings a boldness in our lives. I would offer this to you today to think about, I wonder how many more Christians would be bold about our faith if we lived in true freedom based on the knowledge of God. If we were to walk around knowing that we really are forgiven, 
that the things of our past really are gone, that when Jesus said it's finished, it actually was finished, that the blood he shed was actually power enough, powerful enough to cover everything that we would ever do. When we actually believe that and when we live in that in our lives, and I realize that sounds easier said than done. Yes, there's lots of stuff to work through in that. But the point is, and the reality is, that the salvation of Jesus on the cross is final and complete. It is a complete work that is now evident in our lives. And it brings freedom. And if we were to function in that freedom, there would be a boldness that would come to be able to share God's love with other people. But that sounds really daunting, right? Like, Okay, so the responsibility is to live free and then the responsibility is to go and tell everybody. Well, Jesus doesn't expect you to do it all at one time, nor does he even expect you to do it by himself. That's why, by yourself, that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit to carry with us. That's why he empowered us with the Holy Spirit so that we can understand our freedom in him and be able to carry that out in our world. So she left her water pot, she went into the city and she said to the people, Come, see the man who told me all the things that I've done. This is this not the Christ? So they left the city and were coming to him. The NLT translates it really cool. The NLT translates that verse as they came streaming out of the city to see him. Okay, let's go full circle. A lady like you and I who carry baggage, sin, hurt, a lot of labels that people have put on us comes and has an encounter with Jesus. And in that knowledge, she discovers freedom for her life, freedom that she didn't know was possible except because of a savior in her life. And that gives her boldness to suddenly turn around and discover that her purpose in life was to let others know about this person that had set her free. And she went back into the city and made a difference because she told everybody about Jesus. Everybody. There was one person that she couldn't. Imagine, can you imagine that? Can you imagine the joy? Can you imagine the freedom that would be in that woman to go and run through the streets shouting, you've got to come see this guy. You've got to come see this guy. And the result is this, verse 39. Now from the city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all the things that I had done. So let me bring this all back. Jesus began his day saying, God, here's what I got to do today. I got to go from here to there. How do you want me to do that? Which way do you want me to go? And who am I going to talk to on the way? How am I going to extend the kingdom of God today? He did that. He interacted with a woman who ended up with a knowledge of Christ that she had never had before, freedom in her life, discovering of her purpose and who God had made her to be, and went around and made a difference. And because of that, the people that came to know the Lord that day, because of that one choice that Jesus made in the morning to say, God, I'm yours, and I'm willing to do whatever you want to do today. Now, I was talking with Daryl before service this morning. Um, did Jesus know that the result of that day was going to be a whole city that was going to come to the saving knowledge of Christ? Maybe. Maybe not. We don't know how much detail Jesus had. We don't know how much detail God gave Jesus and how much of it was him actually walking in faith to believe that if his father said, this is the way I wanted you to go, 
then do that and you're going to see a harvest. We don't know that. He could have easily had the whole picture and knew the whole thing, right? I'm not here to debate theology. My point is that he got his marching orders from God in the morning and by faith stepped out into do that and the result was amazing. So, so here, here's what I want us to think about here. Ephesians 5.1 says this, for us to be imitators of God, okay? If we see this being the pattern that Jesus lived out to where he began his day saying, God, here's my day. And I want to surrender it to you to be used however you want for whatever this day looks like. And the result of that being powerful, if Christ did that, then I think we as followers of Christ need to do the same thing. And I'll end with this and just just giving you this thought to think through. When we start our day, we don't know who our woman at the well is going to be that day. We don't know. But if we learn one thing from Christ, we learn one thing from the apostles, we learn one thing from the disciples, it's that there is always someone. And so for us, my, my, my challenge, and I hope you get this out of, out of what I'm saying today, is that as we follow the example of Christ, and as we look to the way that he loved people, the way he loved his father and served his father and the way that he loved people, that we would take a page from that and begin to start incorporating that into our day. And that we would truly go through our day and ask God, okay, who is, who's my woman at the well today? Who's the person that you have lined everything up with to bring in front of my life that I now can bring your love to, right? And, and, and it's something as simple as like, again, going back to the illustration, somebody comes in and they've had some sort of crazy situation that happens in your life. In, in their life. And you're able to come because you've started your day saying, God, how, how do you want to use me today? You're able to have words to encourage and strengthen and show the love of God to that person, right? Maybe a whole city doesn't come to know Jesus, right? Maybe they do. We don't know. Our job is to be responsive to what he's saying. Now, This is not meant to be a a condemnation or anything. This is just a thought process and a thought challenge for us. As we go into this week, how can we be more on mission and how can we be thinking through God today? Who is the person that you're putting in front of me today that you want me to show your love to, right? And that is how we actually live out this thing called kingdom mission. Do I have to have all the answers, don't have it all with the pieces figured out, but we do have to just be in a place of surrender saying, God, I'm here for whatever you want to do. So as we start these next four weeks, and we're going to talk about those four elements over these next four weeks, I think it's a good thing for us just to say, okay, there's great impact if I can simply say, God, here I am. Here I am. Use me. Use me. And that's all I want to do this week. That's all I want us to be able to do. So as we get ready for our our, uh, discussion times, and if you're newer to River Valley, we end all of our services this way as we put a question up that we're going to discuss and talk about in groups for a little bit and just pray for one another and uh, before, before we go for today. But you can put the question up. The question is this today. Do I process my day through the perspective of the kingdom? And I want us to be really honest about it. I will tell you right now, I do not always, I can't say that I always do. 
Can you raise your hand and say you love you? <laughs> this is, this is, it's not just me. This isn't Jason confessional hour. This is like, this is all of us, right? None of us are perfect of that. Do I process my day through the perspective of the kingdom? And then what one adjustment can I make this week to be more kingdom focused, right? Maybe it's a question you ask yourself. Maybe it's a way that you pursue God. Maybe it's some sort of a, a, a connection that you're going to really take advantage of. It's, Many of us go through and we talk to the same barista every day on our way to work, right? We, we, we see the same people that we interact with, right? Maybe it's just saying, okay, here's how God can use that to be able to talk to that person to hopefully bring them some love into their life, right? Okay, so those are, those are what we're going to be talking about. Everyone understand what we're talking about? Everyone got it? I'm going to pray, and then we'll break up into our groups. And my, my hope is that it's been a thought-provoking enough message and thought that you can walk away and go, okay, God, Jesus did this, and I know that he also can give me the power to do the same thing. Do I have to be perfect? No. Do I have to have it all figured out? No. Do I need to get 10 out of 10 every single day? No. But for us to be aware of a kingdom mission in our lives, all right? So Father, I pray that today, Lord, as we uh, have this conversation, Lord, I pray that the words and, and even this story would just be able to really sink into our hearts and it would challenge us to be able to approach and view our lives, to approach and view uh, uh, every day that we go through from a kingdom perspective. Lord, I pray that you would empower us to be able to do that more. And God, I pray too that you would just give us the boldness to live that out. It's one thing to recognize what it is to be on mission. It's another thing to actually live out what that is. And so, Father, I pray that you would give us the boldness to do that. Father, thank you that you have given us the Holy Spirit to help us, to equip us for every good work that you have for us. So, Lord, I pray that you would be with us today. Bless our conversation and our time. We love you so much, God. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.